Well, good afternoon, everyone. When Jesus walked on the earth some 2,000 years ago, it wasn't mere chance that he was in Palestine amongst God's chosen people. The way that he lived, the words that he said, the things that he did, they were all one part of the message from the Almighty to a nation that generally didn't seem to want to listen. But there were a group of faithful followers who did hear the Lord's message and they did continue to teach his word to others throughout the ages. But today, it seems a shame that the impact of Jesus' message has lost much of its effectiveness. <coughs> Maybe because it's been watered down, so now anything goes. And this has perhaps led to a, a lack of interest uh, in the message. When Jesus began his ministry in Galilee, he wasn't welcomed with open arms. People looked on him with suspicion, even with hatred. The respectable Christianity that we have today, it didn't exist then. And the Jews were so bound up with their man-made traditions that had developed over the centuries <coughs> that they'd moved far away from God's word so that it could no longer be described as the guide for mankind to live in a way that pleases God. In some ways, the religious leaders did acknowledge the activities of their forefathers when prophets had been rejected or had even been slain. I'm just reading from Matthew chapter 23. We're going to stay this afternoon almost exclusively in the Gospel of Matthew. I think only once we, we go away. So we're looking at Matthew 23 verse 29. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, says Jesus to them, you hypocrites. You build tombs for the prophets and decorate the graves of the righteous. And you say, if we had lived in the days of our ancestors, we would not have taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. So you testify against yourselves that you are the descendants of those who murdered the prophets. Go ahead then and complete what your ancestors started. So the religion that they now had had become a way which allowed the Jewish leaders to please themselves. The Pharisees in Jesus' time had perhaps not created the traditions, but they did have the scriptures, they did have the law that was given to Moses, but they chose not to change their traditions and to follow God's word. So it's not unusual to see why Jesus' message was so difficult for the Jewish nation to understand and to be able to live with. And Jesus did tackle the issue with the Jewish leaders. As an example, if we go to the reading that Kenneth uh, read first at the beginning, Matthew chapter 15, we find that Jesus upbraids them for 
stressing, stressing hygiene over their religion. Reading from the beginning of the chapter. Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. And we notice that they don't talk about disobeying the law of Moses, but rather the tradition of the elders. Now for us, it's good practice to wash our hands. We turn on the tap and out comes good clean water. In Jesus' time, they had to collect the water from the well and carry it in jars to the house. Water was much more precious. And sometimes this small bit of hygiene would be missed. But for the Pharisees, these traditions were every bit as binding as the word of God. And sometimes seem to be even more important. Let's carry on with Matthew 15. Jesus replied, And why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, Honour your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is devoted to God, they are not to honour their father or mother with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. The clear command of God directed that everyone should give honour to their father and mother and to help them. But the tradition said that if they declared that their possessions or savings were a gift to God and they were especially dedicated to him, then they could say that their resources were unavailable to help their parents. This convenient declaration apparently left the property actually still at the disposal of the one who made the vow, but deprived the parents of any right to it and at the same time deemed them to have fulfilled the law in everyone's eyes. The Mosaic Law was very clear about honouring parents, and Jesus shows them that their focus is wrong. God's word was being twisted to suit mankind. And so God sent his son, the Lord Jesus, to call for repentance and rededication. A call to renew the truth of God's word that was being lost with man's word. Reading on in Matthew 15. You hypocrites, as I was right when he prophesied about you, these people honour me with their lips but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. And that verse 8, these people honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. This must have been a, a sharp reminder to the Jews that in their own scrolls, in the 29th chapter of Isaiah and at verse 13, 
these very words were to be found. The Pharisees would know this, and they treasured the books of the prophets. And to make matters worse, they knew what was in the verse that immediately followed this one that Jesus quoted. Let me just read these two verses from Isaiah 29. The Lord says, These people come near to me with their mouth, and honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules that they have been taught. Therefore, once more I will astound these people with wonder upon wonder. The wisdom of the wise will perish. The intelligence of the intelligent will vanish. Wisdom and intelligence would be taken away from the people in the time of Isaiah. And that's exactly what did happen. From the reign of King Hezekiah in Jerusalem until the coming of Jesus, the fortunes of the Jews steadily deteriorated. They were carried off into captivity. They had various ruling nations. And in Jesus' day, they were under the Roman rule. So, you might be wondering, what has all this to do with you and me? This is all history. Jesus has come. He has preached effectively. And today, there are millions of Christians in the world. So, we must be alright then, and in a good place. Or are we? If we look at the world and Christianity, we can say that history has repeated itself, just like the Jewish religion in the Old Testament. From the giving of God's law in Moses' time until Jesus came was about 1,500 years. And at this time it became so watered down and altered that it no longer pointed the way to find salvation for mankind. The period from Jesus coming until now is about 2,000 years. And again in this time, Jesus' teachings have been watered down and altered, again to suit mankind. But what is marvellous is that in the Bible that we have before us today, we can read the instruction from Jesus just as he gave it to the fishermen in Galilee. And it can be just as effective for us in this day and age, if we will listen to the words that we read and if we heed them. So what then is the message for us? Well, it's the good news of God's coming kingdom on this earth. The kingdom that we pray for every time we say the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. God 
wants his will to be done on the earth. And Jesus died trying to teach men and women that what, God, what God's will was. And people have been rejecting the will of God ever since Adam was expelled from the Garden of Eden. So, what do we have to do to obey God's will? We have to take steps now so that we are ready when God's kingdom does come. And anyone can take these steps. We have to believe in Jesus and the things that he taught during his ministry on this earth. Not any watered-down man-made religion or any alter, alterations that man has made for, for tradition, but just the message that Jesus gave to us. As example, we turn to Matthew chapter 28. Jesus commanded disciples to go into all the world and to preach the gospel. And they did this. Verse 19 of Matthew 28. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to be everything I have commanded you. Baptism is by complete immersion of an understanding, believing adult. And in Mark 16, we read the words, Whoever believes and is baptised will be saved. Now, that's a great promise. But Jesus didn't say that you could choose to be sprinkled with a few drops of water instead of complete immersion. And yet, modern Christianity has changed baptism in exactly this way. Jesus' command is being changed by the traditions of man, just as the Mosaic law was changed by the Pharisees. You might argue that complete immersion of a believing adult is simply an outward show, like the Pharisaic washing of hands. But God commanded this outward show, such that Jesus himself although he was sinless, was baptised by complete immersion in the River Jordan. And therefore, we have this important guiding example. Of course, this outward show is of no use unless we let our thoughts and actions be guided by what Jesus preached. And believing that Jesus will return to this earth to set up God's kingdom is such a key part of the message for us. We'll turn to Matthew chapter 22, where we find a parable of the Lord Jesus that shows the faith of those who know God's will, but refuse to follow it. Reading from the beginning of Matthew 22, Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. 
Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I've prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off. One to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, How did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, Tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. Now we find this parable refers to the establishment of God's kingdom. And it's likened to the preparation of a marriage feast. The Lord Jesus, returning to this earth, is the bridegroom. And the Christian church is the bride. And so the king, God, sends his servants to invite the wedding guests. God has been inviting guests to his kingdom since Adam's expulsion from the Garden of Eden. The servants have included Noah, Abraham, Moses and the prophets. And in verse 4 we read, Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off. One to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them and killed them. Yes, the servants were met with refusals and some were even killed. We can think back to the forefathers of the Pharisees who slew the prophets. The king sent out once again the servants. Verse 10. The servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. God sent Jesus, who appointed disciples and apostles, to invite people to prepare themselves for his kingdom. And so the wedding hall was full of guests. That is, the word of God was preached to a very large number of people. But when the king inspected the guests, he found one with no wedding garment. Verse 11. But when the king came to see the guests, 
He noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, How did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? <coughs> the man was speechless. Effectively, the man had come to the wedding feast unprepared. And on his return, Jesus will inspect mankind. The guest represents a person who knows full well what God requires, but hasn't bothered to comply with God's wishes. He has understood the teaching, believe, repent, and be baptised, but he's chosen to have nothing more to do with it. And so we find he's rejected. Verse 13. Then the king told the attendants, Tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. God is not willing that anyone should perish. And although he sent his only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus, to die on the cross for the sins of mankind, people are still not willing to accept the offer of eternal life in God's earthly kingdom. And so many will be rejected, <coughs> just as we saw the man in the parable. Our prayer is that we here might be amongst those who make the good choice, who will seek out Jesus' message, who will seek out his teachings, and will choose to follow them, so that we can be truly ready and waiting for our Lord Jesus when he returns to this earth.